From Hong Kong, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 126. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Hello. Hello, Perry. What's up? <laughs> and um, we're also joined, uh, making a triumphant triumphant return, um, we have Lyndon Booth of Londinian Cameras. Hello, Lyndon. Hello. It's been a while since you were with us, Lyndon. We were just, just checking out the uh, the stats of the last podcast that you're on, which was back in February last year, Ooh. and it is actually one of our most popular podcasts we've ever done. Well, what can I say? I'm back again. Yes, yes. And if anybody wants to check that that out, it is episode 57, and it's also called. Uh, it's one of my favourite titles that we've done. Actually, it was called <laughs> when, when Fungus Attacks. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So that's uh, we, we we're going to do a show largely uh, about camera repairs but we're going to go all over the place as well because Lyndon knows more than just camera repairs um, and uh, so if you want to go back to that show you'll hear some stuff and um, and we're going to cover a lot of ground today um, but before we get going um, just this is this podcast is what two days late and uh, so we do do apologize for uh, for that uh, we did have a logistical error where where one member of our crew uh, decided, to, decided to sleep in but we're, we're not going to identify that person um no, on, no. on a completely unrelated uh, topic um uh johnny um <laughs> <laughs> You've, you've you've been you've been recently on a show where famously a, a co-host fell asleep on. Uh, how did that go? I, I I woke up in time for the podcast on Monday at about uh, nine o'clock in the evening, and <laughs> and somehow found myself on negative positives uh, podcast instead of this podcast. Don't know how that happened, uh, but yeah, um, a short little man from Los Angeles apparently fell asleep in uh, during during the podcast that was hilarious i listened to it today <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was pretty great it didn't, it didn't fall again in your episode fall asleep oh again he did, in your episode, did he? yeah oh, and then he tried to rescue he tried to rescue it oh no <laughs> that was my favorite part because um mike called him yeah and you, you could hear the phone ringing from his side Right. So his mic was on, and then you heard it go to his voicemail. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then a, like, a couple minutes later, you hear Andre go, oh, sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously, seriously I, I didn't know that. I mean, I've got it downloaded. I've not listened to it yet. And I was just referring to the, I think it was episode, oh, I forget which episode it was, but uh, it was one where M was on. And, you know, it, yeah. it, it, was, it was like snoring for 20 minutes. He was minutes snoring. Ago. Yeah. yeah. And so it's happened yeah. again. It's happened twice. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, okay. Well, uh, look forward to having a listen to that. And uh, and I, yeah, just the fact that Johnny's on it must, um, should should mean it's going to be a, you know, well well worth heading over to negative positives. Not that it's not it, worth listening to that anyway, because it is. Right, but Johnny right. makes it extra special, doesn't he? And they, and they, and they did finally... Uh, they did finally ask me one of the 20 odd questions you had posted for me simon prior to that episode i, I well you've told me that you asked yeah they asked one question i, I was a bit disappointed yeah you know, because I, I think i you know i worked i worked hard in those three minutes to come up with those 20 questions <laughs> yeah. so don't, don't don't tell me don't 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 tell me the answers I'll go i don't remember answer. which question it was anymore so <laughs> that's, right, that's, okay. so that's, it works out just fine all right okay <laughs> 
Right. Well, anyway, let's we we have absolutely shed loads of emails and questions as well. And what we're going to do, we're actually going to start off with some of the, uh, well, with the backlog of emails that we've got. And Lyndon's going to help us out with those if he can. Um, and so, Johnny, do you want to make a start on them? Uh, yeah, on the uh, on the questions? Sure, we can do uh, that. Well, yeah, all, just, just start with the, the first of the emails okay. and then we'll get onto the questions as well. Okay. Uh, email number one from uh, Vaughn, uh, Bromfeld, I believe that's the correct pronunciation, on July 28th. Subject, hello again. Hello, Simon. Sorry to hear of your medical emergency recently. I am called to ask, was it a single or double stroke? <laughs> Love your work as always. Regards, Vaughn. Thank, 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 thank you, Vaughn. When uh, when that came through, I read that out to the to, to the guys. It was it was it was the, the it timing was, was excellent. Yeah, um, it was perfect. And uh, I've, I've got, and I'm very happy to say it was neither a single or a double stroke. So that 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 was very very good news. Uh, so uh, but thank thank you all the same for uh, writing in there. <laughs> thank you. So speaking of double strokes, I think we have our uh, first question to Lyndon, and uh, yeah, I want to ask you if you can Thanks. fix something. <laughs> so, uh, in our in our little chat, Linda, I've just forwarded you two videos, two oh, ten yeah. second, seven second videos. Uh, the first video is my Leica M3. Uh, the second video is Johnny's Leica M3. They are both double strokes, yep. and you will see that our cameras <laughs> seem to have both jammed in the same way at the same time, uh, where we have advanced <laughs> the, we have advanced the film but the shutter button will not fire. And now it is jammed. Um, and I actually, I've had this problem before, uh, and I've had it CLA'd last year, and the problem has popped up again. And I'm wondering, A, uh, is this a thing with double strokes? And B, can you fix it? Oh, I'm glad you've asked me this question. This is, this is a good one. Now, I personally have never seen that problem in my life. Um, so I can only say that you're a very, very lucky man that you've both got exactly the same problem <laughs> at exactly the same time. Something in stars, maybe? Yeah. They've got, I mean, they've got, they've got lenses with, this, with consecutive serial numbers on them as well. So, I mean, there is something going on with these two. Ooh, that is rare wonderful. lens, too. Yeah. 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 What you, well, one of you needs to sell the lens to the other and then sell them as a pair. You, you double your money. No <laughs> that's, that's true. I had not thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but no, I don't know what you've done there. What, what have you? Is I mean, is the film is is the film at the end or something? You both come to the end of the film and forgotten there's one in there. Uh, to me, it happened on uh, the third frame, and uh, the, the camera was firing fine uh, until I loaded the film, and then it jammed on around the third frame. And oh, mine was not take, tried taking the film out. No, I have, I have. Yeah, I, I still rewound the film and put it in a different camera. It's still jammed. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, nice my, mine was sitting on frame had been sitting on frame twenty three since about March. Uh, right about oh, wow. pandemic lockdown time when I stopped carrying that camera out of the house because, you know, wasn't leaving the house. So there's a, uh, three, there's a three thing going on here then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Strange. So, so you know, picked it up, chatting with Perry about his camera. And I'm like, yeah. well, hey, it's sitting right here on my counter. I'll take a picture of my cat <laughs> and advanced the film and went to fire. And it was like, nope, not firing. All so, right. so per Perry, as Jules wound on, or is it, is it just not firing or is it, is it stuck it, halfway? You know, is it mid, midwind or? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's somewhere midwind. Um, and when I, when I had this dealt with previously, um, my repair guy told me that on the double stroke, there's like a, 
a different winding mechanism because it sort of stops it, you know, so that you have to mm. do it twice. Um, and that the gears had basically, you know, like something in there had, had jammed because of that mechanism. Um, so I think I felt it jam as I was advancing the film. Yeah. Uh, and it got to the point where I just like couldn't advance it anymore and the shutter wouldn't fire. Mm. You know, Perry, that's a good point because when I, <clears throat> I did the double stroke, the second stroke was not, it felt a little short. Yes. I know, I know it, yeah. is it the same thing? Yeah. Because I noticed that thinking back on it now, I'm like, yeah, actually that second stroke felt like it, it was not quite like the full, you know what I yeah. mean? It felt, so, and then it just simply didn't, didn't fire, which is weird. Right. I mean, it's never had a single glitch, so. Yeah, yeah, no, it was exactly the same thing. On the second stroke, it went about halfway, and I, I recognized it because it's happened to mine before, and I was like, oh, not again. And because I was in the middle of shooting, I just wow. I tried to press the shutter. <clears throat> and my mine is, um, you know, it's the same age as yours. My, it's 50, no, 60, what, 65, 6, 7 years old. Um, yeah. And mine, I know for a fact, has never, ever been opened up. So it's never been serviced, which oh, I, it's just my opinion that the Leicas were never meant to go that long without being, I mean, Germans made stuff to be serviced by a professional, right? Um, so the fact that it's gone that long without anything, I, I'm not thinking, well, screw this damn Leica. It's like, no, it, <laughs> you know, it was bound to do this sooner or later. It needs to be serviced at some point. Yeah. Right. Anyway. But, but Lyndon, are you aware of any, um, no, you know, the difference between I, I, double I mean, stroke and single stroke Johnny in terms did, of reliability. No, not at all. But Johnny did uh, make a comment that it, you know, Likers must be serviced by a proper, you know, technician. So that really counts me out completely. <laughs> <laughs> what you need to get that back to a Lyca person, he'll he'll know what the problem is. He'll be straight in there. And luckily, there's lots of people out there servicing Likers. Yeah. You know, good reputable right. people. So you you'll, so, you'll get it. You'll get it. Um, you'll get it sorted. No problem. So you you can't fix it. No. Okay. No. Okay. Well, well, I'm sure we can find something that Lyndon can fix. So, uh, what's the what's the next one? <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Uh, next up, I believe is is either George or Jorge, uh, depending maybe on where where he hails from or something like that, or his parents hailed from, who named him or something like that. Uh, but J-O-R-G-E, Grillo, wrote us uh, on the 29th of July, episode 122 is the subject. Hello there. I'm a little behind and about halfway through number 122, I thought I should contribute with some notes on field of view and focal lengths attached. Indeed, mathematically, 50 millimeters and 58 are very close. And the interesting result is that you really that you, you can really just think of ratios uh, of focal lengths to figure out how many steps back or forward to take. Uh, hope you enjoy best Jorge George Grillo from San Diego. Um, and, and he sent a very nice, a very, a very nice, very nice handwritten diagrammatic uh, explanation. We have four Yo. pages of notes here. Hand yeah. handwritten. No, four pages of trigonometry. This is awesome. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Is that, is that what that those groups of numbers are called? I well, never well, got yeah. that far in the maths. Just for the only the first part is trigonometry. Okay. I thought it was I thought it was great. So I it, it was it was uh fun fun to look at. And you know, provided 
provided that thing that Perry likes. He likes he likes to have the mathematical reassurance of the kind of the gut instinct, right? Mm-hmm. So it, do, it I think it does that nicely. Yeah, I mean, it takes four pages of math to convince me that 50 millimeters and 58 millimeters are very close. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. It's, it's all good, I understand now. I'm, I'm, I, I am right in thinking I'm looking at quadratic equations low down this page. Uh, I think so, yeah, on... Hey, wait, where? Uh, so at the bottom of page two. Page two. It's not. A, is that a quadrat? That's not a quadratic equation. What is it? Then? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so de- there are definitely very complicated numbers here um, I, with it, with answers. So, no, no, no. I, it's it's triangles and and angles. It's it it is still it's still um like geometry. It's not this. There's no. It's not quadratic equation. Oh, okay. So, the, come on. The, you know the you know the quadratic formula, right? Come on. Recite it to your, your GCSE maths. It's, it's, oh it's, my it's, god, that was a long time ago. I, I I literally never got that far. And I I read when I was in high school. I read uh, Einstein's theory of relativity, and just I skipped all the math and just read his notes. I mean, I didn't need to see his math. I trust him. He's f-ing Einstein. So, <laughs> but, but but you skip the math and he gets to the good part. And so I skip all the way through the math and I at the bottom of page three, it says if the subject is at three meters versus, you know, five meters versus, right? Uh, these are all in the realm of half a step. There you go, Johnny. And then he says on the next page, uh, note number three, keep in mind that the logic is reversed. If you're shooting with a 58 millimeter lens, you need to step back. If you're shooting with a 50 millimeter lens, <laughs> you need to step forward. That's what he meant by E equals MC squared. Right, exactly. Very simple. Very simple. Wait, wait. So, I mean, this is totally tangential, no pun intended. Um, but. but they they never force you to memorize like what I did when I did middle school math. Maybe it was like upper primary school math here in um, Hong Kong. They made us like memorize the quadratic formula <laughs> where we could get attacked. No, seriously, we would like sit in class and be like minus b plus or minus square root of b squared minus four ac. Well, and what age did this take place at? Like ten or eleven for like we oh would just have to God. repeat that until it was drummed into our memory forever. No, I got. So, like, the, I got the numbers a, you remember for life are like your student number at university <laughs> and the quadratic equation. No, 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 no. I got booted out of normal classes in seventh grade and sent to the, the remedial classes where they basically just gave up on kids and were like, just just do what you want. We're just babysitting you guys. So I was booted out of actual high, uh, education at that age. Um, and And I never got that far, Perry. I got to pre-algebra which I basically flunked out of. So, and that was in high school. So no, they do not drill American children on qu- quadratic equations <laughs> before they hit puberty. <laughs> so, so, so Lyndon, how often do you have to use uh, trigonometry and uh, algebra when you're fixing cameras? Um, oh, it's amazing how often it pops up. <laughs> 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 no, we uh, we when when I went to school, we, we quadratic equation. I don't know what you're talking about. Right, what are you exactly. all about, man? No idea. 
I never went to university either. I've no, I've no idea. And if I'm supposed to be using it, I'm a bit worried. It's, a, it's too late now. I've, there's so many things I've not, um, not applied it to. Don't worry, there's no quadratic equation in this. <laughs> there's a quadratic equation for your lack of quadratic equation. This is helpful, though. This is helpful, though, from, from George. It's actually can, really I ask, can I ask a question? What was yeah. the original question? I've, I've, I've listened to you guys. I have no idea what we're talking about. Oh, uh, it was from a couple of episodes ago where I was, I was yeah. talking about... You're not, the only, you're not the only one. Don't worry about that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, if that's the case, carry on. Just, just move. No, move on. <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't go through this again. This, for, this, uh, for, Linda, for Linda's sake, this refers to an episode a couple... Well, episode 122, um, yeah. where um, Perry revealed to us that he was incapable of making a decision... On, on this field of view or where to stand in the picture unless unless a ratio or a percentage can be applied to the difference between one shot and another. And yeah, just have, goes you from seen, there. have you seen that, that, that movie, A Beautiful Mind? Yes. Yeah. Uh, right, so you know where he's kind of walking around and he's he's like, he's having a psychotic breakdown and he's seeing numbers everywhere. That yeah. apparently is how Perry needs to walk around the world with a camera. Wow. He needs to see the numbers flying in front of his face. Well, he's looking at things, which I think is amazing. And I would like to, you to get that on film, Perry. I want to see, like, the number overlay on your photo. That would be amazing. <laughs> like the math. I want to see, like, the math written out on a layer in white, like, text over the photo. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get Simon to 3D <laughs> some uh, mathematical bright line. <laughs> medical bright line viewfinder exactly for my, for my glasses <laughs> heads up display okay we'll go on to kid kid richards isn't he in like the rolling stones what a name i think he is keith, yeah keith richards kid okay kid richards <laughs> just combined kid, kid yeah. rock kid richards is like if keith richards had a son who's a pirate <laughs> oh, keith oh yeah it's kid richards all right, um, July 29th. Did everybody write us on the same day? All right, July 29th. Uh, there's a subject. There's a classic lens in the International Space Station? Ooh. Exclamation point, question mark. Uh, dear Simon, Johnny, and Perry, good morning. I hope uh, you are well. My name is Kid, and I'm a pirate. No. My name is Kid, and I'm a film photographer based in Lisbon, Portugal, and uh, a big, big fan of your podcast. So I'm sending you this email because this morning uh, I was around Twitter and suddenly saw some photos from the International Space Station. As a curious guy about everything that concerns lenses and cameras, I checked these photos, and it looks to me that they are using an old lens out there. I think I can't figure out what lens it is, but it seems... It uh, seems like a Canon FD uh, or more likely an old Nikon. If so, it's really awesome and interesting that they're using it. So I thought uh, you guys would like to check it out or probably have more information about it uh, attached, uh, the screenshots for you guys to check. Let, uh, uh, let me thank you for your weekly work on the podcast. I'm always waiting uh, for the new ones, and let me tell you that it always makes me smile and makes my day better, always. And I'm sure it makes the same thing to so many listeners around the world. Unfortunately, uh, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I, I'm thinking about getting back just to follow the group here. Um, please keep it up. Love from Portugal Kid. 
Yeah, it's a it's a, that's really cool. It's, it's a Nikon. Um, it? By the way, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty well documented. You can go on uh, Wikipedia and there's a list of all the cameras. But when I zoomed in, it's pretty clear that the lens the the lens of the back is some kind of Nikon lens. You can tell by the focus ring. So it looks like a Super Paragon to me. But then again, you wouldn't understand what one of those is, though, would you? Perry? <laughs> oh, it's it's NASA. Come on, they got they got more of a budget than that. <laughs> so here, here's a list of cameras they got on the on the International Space Station. They have a Kodak 760C which is the modified Nikon F5 with the Kodak thing on the bottom. Uh, and then they have a D1, a D2S, a D200, a D3, a D3X, a D3S, a D4, a D800E, a D5, and a Sony A7S II. Wow. I, I wonder what that they are using that lens for. I'm trying to tell what's going on there. Porn. Uh, yeah, porn. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, but I mean, cause obviously it's a, you know, scientific equipment. It's not like it's facing out the window to get, you know, tourist shots yeah. of the world flying by. So, um, yeah, that's pretty, maybe we need to see if we can get on live on the podcast with, with NASA. uh, the ISS, which would probably easy, be easier than it was trying to get Ken Rockwell to come on. It's true. Yeah. Although if you look at the second picture, um, I think it's a macro lens they've got on the big yeah. camera because, it's really close to like a mirror with a bunch of condensation on it. Right. So maybe, maybe they're growing like space condensation. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it looks like to me, I was looking at that too, and it looks like they probably have that manual lens on there fixed at that screen. Yeah. And they're right. And they're doing, they're doing something. And so that lens is not ever changing focus, just sitting stationary focus in one spot. I mean, which, why would you need a, any, more complicated lens than they have on there. It totally, totally makes sense. Or another way to interpret it is that even NASA recognizes that autofocus is lame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally so, unnecessary. A, a, a quick observation, because I was, I was chuckling to myself um, when you were reading the letter out there um, when, when it goes, uh, so I thought you guys would like to check it out or, and then, or probably have more information about it. I was thinking, yeah, right. And then Perry comes <laughs> out and actually tells us. <laughs> so well done, Classic Lenses Podcast. I mean, isn't it a relief that they're not using Canon FD lenses? On the yeah, it's a, that's a huge relief. I mean, as, a, as an American taxpayer, I'd be kind of pissed if they were f***ing around with FD lenses in the outer space or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> on the taxpayer dollar that would be that would be a bad sign okay um shall we move forward yes we shall uh david ortega wrote us on august 2nd uh he's he wrote us about custom 3d printed housing for normal slr lenses Ooh, this has got simon written all over it um hey guys been loving uh loving the show i sent you greetings from Hot as balls, California. Side note, before I ask my question, Johnny's voice reminds me of Adam Savage's voice. Also has a podcast and uh, and is the name Mythbusters Guy. Huh. I've, 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 I've got to say, I, mean, <clears throat> I used to watch a lot of myth, 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 oh, Mythbusters. Um, I'm, I'm not quite getting that myself, but I will, I will say, if you ever listen to Homemade Camera Podcast, um graham on the homemade camera podcast sounds exactly uh like like adam savage and uh and nick lyle i can't remember the other guy's name on the on there sounds exactly like like him i'm sure Mythbusters went on to make the homemade camera podcast i'm pretty damn sure <laughs> of that 
quite possible. All right, back back to the topic of the email. That's actually in the email. That was not me saying back to the topic of the email. That's in the email, just to be clear. Back to the topic of the email. It is imp- uh, it. Is it possible to make a lens and shutter combination out of an SLR lens? Let's say you 3D print the housing uh, and have the right threading for the retaining rings. Uh, then you mount in front. Then you mount the front element to a shutter of your choice. Uh, then same for the rear. The one thing I'm thinking now that I write this is that if you were to use a 50 F2, then you'd lose out on some of the light if it's a 4.7 shutter, suggesting this was possible. I'm really trying to follow this. I know Perry goes to the magical shops in China where they put one thing on another. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so, uh, TLDR, what's T- what's TLDR? Perry? Too long, didn't read. All right, so too long, didn't read. Uh, could <laughs> could you three D print a housing for an SLR lens and have it work on an on a one f shutter? Uh, then be able to use it on a custom camera for pano or some odd format or an Instax contra- contraption. Way, that was that, that was LF, not one f, so large format shutter. Oh, LF. Okay, I was yeah. confused. I, th- you know, I I copied and pasted this into my notes, and it uses Times f-ing New Roman, which everything looks not like the right letters. Um, <clears throat> I hate that font. Uh, then be able to use it on a custom custom uh, camera for pen. Okay, thanks for the show. Low uh, low key, kind of interested in how bad Malort is, but anyway, <laughs> wish you good health. And can't wait for the next podcast episode. Thanks, David Ortega. Uh, and then he's got his his names, his at names everywhere. Um, and it's a funny way of saying penguin and insta. Curly, curly peng, pengling. David, I, I, I would be interested to know David's demographic because he writes in those broken words with some uppercase and some lowercase that people above the age of like 40 are incapable of reading as if it was like Russian to you. He is relatively young. He is either (laughs) around my age or younger, but but older than teenage because he doesn't say what the teenagers say these days. Um, No, seriously. I like the, the, the kids, some of the students I teach who are like in their teens, they they speak a language. I just don't understand. It's like all TikTok speak. Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. But yeah, like the the, the phrase "low key" and TLDR that's that's millennial speak for yeah, yeah. And that's not not in any way knocking it, David. I'm just you know just trying to translate as a fifty-one no, 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 year old dude. That's all. This is my generation. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's why that's why I got Perry here. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> well, this this is a rare email that I actually get everything that he was saying there, um, and it's it's largely a, a it's 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 more of a, a large format question uh, in terms of mm. how large format lenses work uh, in that uh, generally speaking you have a shutter and then you screw 
your uh, right, op- optical. Right. Let's let's call them two. You have two optical blocks, and you screw one at the front of it and one at the back. Right. And the shutter uh, sits in the middle, and also the shutter has a has an aperture uh, mechanism with it at the same time. They're not the same. Not usually the same thing. Um, they're usually independent of each other. But I guess it could be possible that they could do both things. But that gets a bit messy. Um, so. Uh, Construct. I mean, it's like deconstructing an SLR lens and then reconstructing it with uh, a shutter uh, and aperture mechanism in the centre of it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that Lyndon's following this one as well because he might be able to shed some light on the yeah. how, just how possible this is. But from my perspective, is that it's going to be possible to make a housing to hold... Uh, the individual elements that in theory uh, would be pretty straightforward and there's going to be some kind of air gap which you would be able to insert uh, the, the, the shutter uh, between some of the elements um, but there's a couple of issues there and that's there's going to be I can never remember it whether it's a nodal point or something but there's a point where uh, the light crosses over and that is that is the absolute best place to to put the shutter and um, and, and, right. and the iris um the question will be is would you actually have enough space uh, to put things into that into that area and the, the point is it's the, it, where the point of light is is the best place to put it because um well it's you instead of actually trying to shut off a a um some collimated light that's going straight back towards the film plane um you it's it's triangular in shape and so it's a cone to a cone if that makes sense yeah um, so you're not going to be interfering with the light flow where with your with the shutter action um how that in, how that works with the the aperture i'm not entirely sure again linda might be able to help me out on that one um but in theory it's 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 absolutely possible the the, the biggest issue you would have was with 3d printing um your own lens housing is accuracy um because you know you can you can get pretty accurate with a 3d printer but to actually get all the elements to be held in in exactly the yeah. right place right. um yeah you can get one accurate you might be able to get two accurate against each other but as soon as you the more elements you put in there the harder it is because any one of those things is going to knock everything else out so well, yeah right right and i mean with a large format lens you've got a front group and a rear group that are independent. I mean, they're complete, right? They've yeah. come from the factory complete that way. And you could just, you just screw them, with, you know, a shutter in between, but having to re rehouse everything to be able to separate it out of an SLR lens, I think would be exceedingly complicated to do with accuracy. Yeah. What, what you need to do is, um, is get a lens that, the, the front and rear elements are already self-contained. Yeah. And I reckon the easiest, easiest lens is going to be something like a Pentax, um, you know, uh, standard lens, you know, PK 50 mil one seven, something like that, or a Nikon where though, where, where you literally can take the optics and the aperture out as a single unit. They come out as a barrel almost on most of them. Um, and then you can unscrew the front section, unscrew the rear section, measure the distances between the optics um, and the aperture, and then 3D print whatever you need to connect, you know, those parts together. Um, that's your easiest avenue, because then that's literally all you have to work out, the air gap and the, the position of the um, shutter and aperture between the two. But would you have, it, have enough space in, in such a lens to actually insert 
well, large format yeah, shutter, that's going to be the issue, isn't it? You'd have to take it apart and just measure it up and see yeah. see what you were coming out at. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Um, but in, the- yeah, in theory, you should be okay. Um, but you might... Well, yeah, I mean, you've been a large format shutter. You've got no markings on, on what the aperture might be, so you're going to have to fudge that afterwards, aren't you? Well, the other the other part is you know, when you when you look at large format shutters, um, you know, fast large format shutters tend to top out to say f four point five, and I'm just wondering if there's just not going to be enough of a gap, generally mm. speaking, for the light to travel through at the full at full aperture, or but or does that not is is that a different thing to be talking about because the actual projected image circle is so much smaller so therefore yeah because I assume the light rays are going to be smaller as well as in the, yeah. the diameter of them yeah so if it's a 50 mil lens um a large you know say a standard compure is probably going to be comparable um you know to, to the aperture that's in a, a standard 50 mil lens i would say it's going to be yeah. close anyway yeah Again, it's, it's a matter of taking it apart, measuring it up, and just seeing, seeing what you've got. So you might have to uh, have a little bit of trial and error. Um, yeah. But those are, that's your best option. You know, some, something that you can take all the optics out in a single barrel that will unscrew the front, unscrew the back, and just leave the aperture assembly. Right. Um, well, and then, you know, there's no, no worries. Now, I've got to say, as, as mentioned at the top of the show, we talked already about the Homemade Camera Podcast, and they all listen to this show, so they're all listening to this at this moment. And oh, yeah. uh, so uh, Nick, Graham, and uh, Ethan, um, this is a challenge for you if you can if you can pull this one off. But uh, see, so is it well, or just tell us, uh, and you can do that on one of your shows, and we'll link it to it. Uh, but can you do what David has asked? Is that is that is that feasible? And what problems might you you have and might encounter? And uh, it'd be good. It'd be great if you could actually just take that on as a as a thought challenge, if nothing else. So uh, over to you guys. <laughs> uh, hey, Lyndon. Um, yeah. While we're talking about leaf shutters, uh, I asked you this earlier, but uh, I figured I'd just ask it on air as well. Um, when it comes to like copal shutters or synchro comper shutters. Um, are the are the sizes standardized for like the shutter blades? Uh, because like I have a I have a camera where one of the shutter blades has like sliced into another one, and the the repair doesn't sound like it'll be too difficult, but it requires a replacement uh, shutter blade. Um, so is that standardized or is that lens you uh, lens specific for leap shutters? No. The, the- the blades are going to be um, relatively specific um, to, between types. You know, so a synchro compure and a compure. I don't know off the top of my head, but I wouldn't have thought they're going to be interchangeable. Um, obviously, you've got different sizes of shutters. You know, zero. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, but broadly speaking, I've looked in my book because we spoke about this earlier, and I th- I'm pretty sure a lot of them are going to be interchangeable, it, given that they're the same age. Um, so a compure rapid and a synchro compure probably are going to be the same. Um, but there's, there's going to be three types of blades in there. Um, there's going to be a top, um, and there's going to be a bottom and everything in between. Um, so as long as you select the right one, you should, should be absolutely fine. And there's, there's lots of scrap shutters out there from, you know, lots of cameras. So you, you will have no problem finding a, a workshop that's, that's got a spare one that could just pop it in. Sweet. So just to clarify, um, so, so, so I don't need to find an exact copy of that exact lens. I just need to find 
one that's the same shutter type and the same size. Y- yes, relatively speaking, yeah. It's a bit. It, it's a quite a large question you've asked me, but yeah, relatively speaking, yeah, yeah. If you can get as close to it as possible, you should be fine. Um, yeah. Sweet. Alrighty. But hang on, what was what was this shutter on this? What was this camera you've? Uh, it's on. Uh, it's it's on a it's on a folding camera. It's on a what? Sorry, Perry. <laughs> is this yeah, a camera a... you're going to use though, Perry? You're going to use this folding camera for rustic I mean, I... photos. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 quite, I, I quite like it. I'm pretty sure that you said some bad things about folders the other day. No, uh, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Well, but this is the classic lenses podcast, right? So bad lenses are actually good. <laughs> oh, 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 stir that pot, Perry. Good luck on Facebook later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. So, so uh, well, I'm sure we'll mention folders again uh, as we go through this episode. But I, I have realized I actually just bought a, a another folding lens today. So uh, they're not bad. But y- do you know what I mean, Lyndon? What I was saying, you know, not that they're bad lenses, but they don't have the, you know, resolving power and refinement of some of their non-folding counterparts with exceptions of course and and, and let, let me qualify this statement i think on 35 millimeter folding cameras there are some like really really sweet uh lenses like yeah. for example the the rodenstock heligon on the kodak retina is one of my favorite lenses of all time i think it's amazing i'm talking about medium format here yeah. um specifically and and my general sweeping generalization is that the lenses on medium format folders are not as good as the lenses on like medium format SLRs or or non-folding rangefinders. What about a Ross Express? Is that a good lens? Ross like Express. a Ross London? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. They, they do a nice Ross Express on a um Ensign Selfix 820. That's a that's a nice lens, isn't it? Oh yeah, those are those are crazy crazy uh in demand here. They're expensive as hell. Well, that's that's one. <laughs> what about I don't know um, something like a Taylor Hobson Royaltel on a Kershaw Curly Three? What's that, Taylor Hobson? No, oh, no, no. I, I hear the words Taylor Hobson and I want it, but I don't. I don't know what <laughs> everything else that comes after. Do, do a little search for a Kershaw Curly Three. Hey, spell that for me. Lens. Yeah, sure. K E R S H A W. Sweet. And Curlew, C U R L E W. There you go. That's another one to buy. <laughs> <laughs> That's just two. I'm just giving you two examples. Okay. All right, but I, I can always chip in with some more later. All right, let's do let's do that. Uh, <coughs> I, I, I want this now. Shut up. <laughs> I won't. I won't mention the Voigtlander Helio, which is on lots of folding cameras. Oh yeah, we had a conversation about that lens last night. Did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did indeed. Perry suggested I rip it out of my Voigtlander Besa 2. Well, that's not entirely true. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> because I brought, I brought up the idea of ripping it out of the Voigtlander Besa yeah. 2 and putting it in the Voigtlander Besa 1, which I consider to be a better camera, mm-hmm. rangefinder, useless rangefinder notwithstanding. It's actually the Besa 1 has a double exposure interlock, which to me makes it a highly highly more usable camera than the Bessa 2 anyway different topic wait wait but but while we're on the subject of folders this is actually a good place to ask that other question 
we were talking about, which is to what extent can you take a lens off of one folder and put it onto another folder if they're the same focal length? Um, yeah, you'll have to measure the um, the rear element to the uh, focal plane um, yeah. and shim it accordingly. But in theory, as long as it's not too far out, which it should, they're normally roughly the same, you should be okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, in theory, but a lot of these things in theory don't always work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it doesn't. It, it doesn't take it being off much at all for it not. I mean, it'll work, but your focus will be wonky. Yeah, you'll have to. You'll have to. Sh you know, you'll have to shift. Just right. Yeah. Collimation. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's possible. But you know, you can't always put one shutter onto another camera because um, you know alignment holes and. All sorts, you know, you might find it fouls as you try and fold it up if it's a slightly different, you know, type. So, yeah, yeah you've got to be a little bit careful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and can I just point out, Simon, in, in five minutes of this episode, Lyndon has done a better job representing England than you have in every episode. <laughs> because, like, I have the hugest boner for English lenses. I love English lenses. I think they're just like the most oh, yeah. beautiful rendering things on the planet. Simon, the words Ross London or Ensign have like almost never come out of your mouth, right? <laughs> or or Ray, Ray London has never come out of your mouth. We've heard maybe Dalmeyer once or twice, we've heard Corfield once or twice, mostly in the context of dissing it. Same. <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty sure I've I've mentioned uh, Ray and Ross when I've been talking about enlarger lenses in the depths of time. Um, I I can confirm that. Yes, he yeah. has. So there you go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, moving right along to Nick Orloff. Hey, Nick. Um, Sunday, August 2nd, why these focal lengths, question mark? Dear Perry, Johnny, and Simon, greetings from newly locked down Melbourne. Um, I know that there are some lenses of differing focal lengths. I recently bought a, a Rokor 55mm, for example. But the standards for 35mm seem to be 24mm, 28mm, 35mm, 50mm, 85mm, 105mm, and so on. Why? What makes uh, them the standard, regular, typical focal lengths? Uh, is there a historical reason, a mathematical reason? Why don't we have 23, 27, 36, 48, 80, and 110 as our usual focal lengths? Thanks, Nick D. Orloff. Well, <laughs> you can blame it all on Leica. Should we start there? Yeah. Um, so I, I could probably find somewhere... Uh, where where I read this, but um, seeing as how, how the Leica took uh, 35 millimeter cine film, right, and built a basically a still camera around that existing format. Um, apparently, the standard focal length of cine cameras at the time. Oh, I'm going to screw this up. There's a whole story here. But it basically it, what it equates to is 50 millimeters because it was the standard of what was going on with cine cameras. Or maybe it was 100 millimeters and it was half of that. I don't remember. But you can pretty much blame it on Leica because they originated 35 millimeter you know, cameras. Um, and it had to do with 
the film format and existing cine cameras at the time is my understanding. Now, whether that explains everything, I don't know. But if you look at the focal lengths listed on, you know, that list of focal lengths that were given out, they originated many of those, right? Um, so for 35 millimeter, such as the, you know, the 28, the uh, 35 and the 50, obviously, right? Um, and I think maybe even the the 105. So, um so yeah, the short answer is I think we blame it on on Leica because everybody followed their their lead. Um, but I mean, there's probably more to it than that. They're also logical focal lengths in terms of separation between working distance, right? I mean, it wouldn't make sense to have, say, a 50 and a 55 millimeter lens because they both basically do the same thing. But it would make sense to have an 85 and a 35 and a 50 because they're they're different enough in field of view. Well, the, the, other, the other one there, I mean, there's some, there's some, there's, there's some logic in there as well with, uh, with, with the 50 and the 35. Um, 50 is relatively close to normal vision. Um, 35, well, I'm just going to say it's 35 and it's just knock off 15. Um, but if you add, and Perry's going to love this, because he would never notice this, and that's uh, if you add 35 to 50, you get 85. And if you multiply 35 <laughs> by 3, you get 105. So Whoa. that's just blown his head. Um, Whoa! Yeah. Um, and the other, the other thing is, um, <laughs> just going wider, and I think this is you know, with 28 and 24, um, well, if, if 35 is, it was, a, it was a nice general um, angle of view. Um, but then... Yeah, you go as as we know. If we go wider, and uh, this can be explained in percentage percentage terms, um, if we go wider, you don't have to go. The, the, you don't have to use many millimeters to go significantly wider in the, in your fields of view. Um, right. So, uh, and but why they actually picked out twenty eight instead of twenty five? Not entirely sure. Um, so I, I, I guess that might the, the twenty four and the twenty eight. I'm, I'm guessing that they're going to be quite arbitrary arbitrary figures. Well, and is, uh, to, to the other question, why don't we have 23, 27, 36? We actually do, but they get, they get rounded to the standard focal lengths because, you know, people are used to hearing about a 35 millimeter lens or a, a 50 millimeter lens versus a 48. But that doesn't mean that all lenses are exactly those, precisely those numbers in actuality. So there, there's a good deal of rounding that happens, uh, you know, if you're selling a 28 millimeter lens, it could be a 30 or it could be a 27 in actual fact. There's a, there's a strong opinion that the, the Carl's ice 25 millimeter 2.8 for contact Yashica is actually a 27. Um, and the 28 yeah, is, uh, I'm not sure if it's actually not that much. It's not that much, um, narrower. Um, hmm. and there's also a view that the 28 is a superior lens to the 25, but of course the 25 being 25 is more expensive. Right. Different optical, design etc cetera, etc cetera. so it would be a good it would, this would be a good question um like also for jason lane yeah. um who who could probably shed some very logical light on on why those particular focal lengths but i i do think it has to do with basically you know doubling angles of view and so forth as you you know, as you just, you can only sell so many lenses, right? Or at least back in the day you could. I mean, so it made more sense if you had a, you know, 
if Leica was selling a 50, it made more sense if they're going to make a wider angle lens that it's a 35. Um, and it was probably also more within their capabilities at that point in time, too. But, I mean, they did come out with a 35 and a 28 at about the same time. They didn't make a 24, I think, until the, what, the 90s? Like it never had sold a 24 millimeter lens. It just wasn't what they did. Um, but anyway, they had those other focal lengths pretty much quite early on. Um, and yeah, I think you can, like I said, I think you can, you can hearken back to Leica as setting the trend for introducing those lenses. And then everybody else made their version of that lens and that focal length more or less. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Sorry about that. Um, hey, it's Theo. Uh, Simon, you're the one who pr- who can pronounce Theo's last name. That is correct. I can. Yes. So go on, could, Johnny. Could you do so, please. <laughs> <laughs> go on, uh, after you. Uh, Theo Takuma writes us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Theo Biddulph. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Simon can say Biddulph, and I can say Takamar. So, (laughs) (laughs) subject, repair questions. Uh, Hi, guys. I have a couple of uh, questions for... for, uh, What's that? Simon, can you pronounce that one? I can't pronounce that one either. That would be Linden. Thank you very much. (laughs) Hmm? Just kidding there, Barry Linden. We got you covered. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I have a couple of questions for Lyndon. I have an Olympus Pen 38mm 1.8, which has a really sticky aperture. I have one of those too. And is therefore unusable. Other than that, it's a rel- it's in relatively good shape. It has a tiny amount of fungus. Um, and I'd love to use it. Any tips on unsticking apertures on the Olympus Pen lenses? That's question number one. Yeah. Question number two, rangefinder on my Voigtlanda R4M is no longer aligned. <laughs> There's a shocker. Neither's mine on my Voigtlander. I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking, Johnny. Should we, should we do these as? as yeah, you want to do them part yeah. rather than read them yeah. all? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So Olympus pen lenses on sticking aperture blades. Over to you. Okay. Well, there's not normally an easy answer with those. You've normally got to take the whole thing apart. Um, you know, get all the blades out, clean it all out, and pop it back together. There's not any. You know, there's it's some some lenses you can take the rear mount off and it's just the you know the connecting levers that have got a little bit a little bit of oil from the focusing threads on them but normally with those pen lenses um it's all the way through um so now there's no there's no quick fix and i wouldn't recommend um taking one of those apart as a, a first attempt at a repair mm. oh god yeah maybe maybe practice on a super paragon first and then <laughs> move on <laughs> Yeah, I've I've taken one of those apart, and it is a complex. Uh, I mean, every single lens is different for the pens, and and the the rear part has like a bunch of moving bits attached to it that have to line up, and it's annoying. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, the, but the yep. the the Voigtlander. I mean, that's a, that's a modern camera, isn't it? Mm. So that's I'm easy to fix. fix. Well, I, I, it, it probably is. I mean, there's normally little access windows, you know, un, un, under things yeah. like the hot hot shoe or, you know, somewhere that you can adjust these things um, yeah. easily. But I couldn't tell you where they are because it's it's a modern thing and I just don't touch them. Uh, I've done it on the Voigtlander Bessas, the R's. Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be the same place, isn't it? Yeah, the, the adjustment screw for the uh, horizontal alignment, if your infinity is off, uh, which is pretty much the only one you want to touch by yourself, I think. Um 
it, it's under the hot shoe. So there's a cover on the hot shoe that you just kind of lift and pop out. Uh, and then there's a, uh, you can find diagrams of this online, but you just have to unscrew a screw and the adjustment screws underneath. Yeah. So get yourself a, you know, some decent screwdrivers, not, not cheap ones. Um, and you probably be able to do that relatively easily. Maybe right. even I could do it. <laughs> I'll just finish. I'll finish up with a question. He's, he, he basically said, I, uh, didn't notice at first, but when I'm at infinity on lenses, the patch isn't aligned. Love to repair this myself. If possible, a bit short on cash at the moment. Daycare is so expensive, but wouldn't want to break the cameras or anything. I should be especially worried about anyone who has uh, any, any, anyone who knows where I can find information on the web. There are quite a few dead links on the forums. So Perry knows about this, as he just stated. So, uh, Next question, Lyndon, do you, do you repair uh, Minolta Auto Cords? If not, do you know anyone who does? Uh, stay safe, everyone. Theo. Uh, yeah, I can do. Um, I can probably do an auto cord for him. It, it depends. I try not to delve into too much into the focus mechanisms on those. Mm. Um, but to be honest with you, most TLRs, the main fault is the shutter. Um, you know, sticky shutter. Um, so yeah, yeah, no problem. Oh, um, can I can I ask a question about the Olympus pen mm, uh, lens? Um, so one thing that I've been tr desperate to do, uh, is I have a cook speed Pancro, mm. uh, a 35 millimeter F2, which does not cover 35 millimeter film. It doesn't cover a full frame. Um, but it will easily cover APS-C or half frame. And I'm currently stuck using that on a digital camera, which I would, I would like to try to shoot it on film. And the only camera on which I think... A, the register distance is short enough, and B, I could focus it, uh, is an Olympus pen. And it's perfect because it's half frame, so it'll actually cover. Now, my question is, is there any way to get an optical block of a CookSpeed Pancro onto a Pen F mount? Because <laughs> I really want to do that. I want to do that so bad. And I have a sacrificial 38 1.8 that I'm willing to kill for it. Um, but that lens has so much extra stuff sticking out on the mount that I don't think it's going to work. I've no idea. No idea. What you could do, this is an easy fix. Get yourself two cardboard tubes, one slightly smaller than the other. Attach your lens to it, and, and you can just slide it in and out, and there's your focus. Hey. Nice, nice and easy. Bit of yeah. tape. You're turning my Cook Speed Pancro into a SEMA soft. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crikey. No, I don't know. I don't know, Perry. I'd have to see. I'd have to see it. It could be completely, completely incompatible. No idea. Right. <laughs> you want these um, these people that DIY cameras? They they probably do it all the time. I mean, people put them on all kinds of mounts. I just haven't seen anyone do it on a Pen F, which to me is logical if you're going to shoot film with it. Yeah, it would that would that would be that would be super cool. Most definitely. All right. Well, moving around right along, uh, Eric Erling. Um, wrote us on the 9th of August. That was just the other day, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. It was. Uh, question to Lyndon. Um, uh, hi, thanks for the great podcast. My question for Lyndon, what camera, 35 or medium format, do you think is most serviceable and will live the longest? Mm -hmm. BR, Eric Erling, Sweden. BR, what is, what is best, BR? Best regards. Best regards, Eric Erling. Even Simon knew that one. 
I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just the really cool guy that doesn't know that one. Br Eric Erling Sweden. So what's the best SLR or TLR? Did you say? Uh, third, what camera, thirty-five millimeter or medium format, do you think is the most serviceable and will live the longest? Well, I mean, thirty-five mil. It's got to be Leica, isn't it? Probably yeah, mm. any Leica, because I think of all the cameras out there, they're the best serviced by by repair shops and by people that are, you know, will keep them going, going to still manufacture parts in the future. Mm. Um, so I would say a Leica if for your 35 mil and probably Rolleiflex, you know, Rolly called Rolleiflex as a, a medium format camera, relatively simple. Um, and again, you, you're going to have lots of, lots of spare parts out there for them. And if you're going to make parts, you know, they're going to be worth making parts for, Whereas your, your cheaper cameras, it, it won't become economic. Um, but yeah, probably probably Rollies, not 35mm Rollies, definitely not those. No. Yeah. And, um, and, and Leicas, yeah, definitely. All right, good. Yeah. Good. That's yeah. I mean, very, what, what, what do you guys think? I, I, would, I would have said box brownie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, not a folder. No, <laughs> barely a camera. No, because folders, you know, servicing them is annoying because when you get bellows holes, then you're, you know, that's a pain in the butt, right? But a box Simon brownie, can I mean, bellows. Simon can make bellows. Was he making bellows last week? I was, I was attempting to make bellows. Is a better way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, your bellows argument, no good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've, I've got to say, yeah, you, you, you look. I'm I'm actually slightly disappointed in that answer, London. Um, not, not because of any kind of lack of accuracy, because it is thoroughly grounded, and and I, I think it's quite possibly inarguable. Um, but I was just hoping that we, it was going to be something else in there. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you know, whether it be a, a, a Nikon F or some other mechanical camera, as you, as you say, yeah, you know, you know, you've got part parts fail on all cameras, and yeah, you might have a, a relatively simple camera, but if a widget breaks on your whatever this is, this 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 simple camera, and you don't have the means to fabricate it yourself, or and nobody else is going to do it unless you pay a lot of money for it, then that's it. Whereas you know, Rollies and uh, and Leicas, yeah, there's such an industry around them that they are going to go for a, a very very long time. It's yeah. just it's just I mean, a simple fact. And yeah, the, the part provided. Yeah, I mean, like if you if you the thing with a Rolleiflex, for example, is you can still get replacement mirrors for them relatively mm -hmm. easily. And so, you know, on a thirty-five millimeter SLR um, or a camera where if your mirror gets like corrosion or something or it gets desilvered, that's incredibly difficult to replace. Um, so the fact that you know those parts are like being made by people, not not just you know spare parts. I think also makes a big difference, right? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say the other the other one's going to be almost anything unbranded and made by Casina is probably going to live as long as cockroaches in a, in a nuclear mm. winter. <laughs> that. Do you ever get any? Well, I was going to say, do you ever no, get any Casinas? No, any any Casinas <laughs> to repair? But, get any cockroach? Yeah, but there's <laughs> a reasonable chance that if you've got a broken Casina, you wouldn't send it off for repair, so you probably wouldn't see one anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
yeah. yeah, I tend not to see the the lower end of the market simply because people, you know, they go, oh, I can buy another one on eBay for, you know, 20, 30 quid. Why do I need to get this repaired? I just keep on buying another one forever. Um, yeah. But talk, so that, about, yeah, talk about things in cameras. I don't get cockroaches in cameras, but you do get camera bugs. So, and they're not very nice either. I don't know. Have you ever seen a camera bug? Uh, George Fielder had one yesterday. Yeah. He had a bug running across the aperture of one of his lenses. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. But you, Lyndon, it sounds like you have a very specific uh, type of bug in mind. That yes, I don't know what it is. You'd need like a biologist or someone to identify it. But it, it's a camera, a, a bug that lives in cameras, and that what they'll tend to do is eat stuff in the camera. I don't know what it is, and then before they die, um, they climb onto the focusing screen sit there right in the middle and just die <laughs> <laughs> like an elephant graveyard i've got to reach the center of the focus screen yeah. and it's not nice to when you if you see one that's not quite dead but he's heading for the screen oh, you know he's, no. he's kind of in and he's slightly crawling across you put it up to your eye it's not nice nobody wants to see that but i did have a case years ago where a camera was infested with these camera bugs they crawled onto the film and somebody had taken a picture and they were, you could see, you know, three or must be a family, three or four of them on, on the film, um, in the picture. It was, it was horrible. That's wow. pretty cool. You've never come across this though. No, no. I sound like, I, I sound like I'm making it up now. No, I, I've seen other people with like dead, <laughs> dead bugs in their lenses, but I've never heard of this family of bugs on the film before. Yeah. It's, it's on the day trip. It's a, Maybe it's only in the UK, you know, bugs are going to be specific, aren't they? But it's a, it's a real thing. And it's not anything. It's a specific creature. No, this, 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 this sounds right to me as well, because I, um, I, we have, when I was at Central Camera, we would get cameras that had bugs in them. And they always were this, seemed to be the same type of bug. So I yeah. think this is totally on the mark. We, we yeah. talked about this quite in the early days, because um, I've... I've had it mentioned to me about uh, specifically to do with the Olympus uh, um, EverReady cases, and yeah. they they seem to like uh, there, there was a bug that and again just like Linda's talking here, it was almost like an Olympus EverReady case bug um, that came from nowhere. <laughs> Science had not seen them before until EverReady started ma- yeah, sorry, until Olympus <laughs> started making EverReady cases, and uh, and then they would then once they've eaten all the uh, the glue and stuff in the case, then they would they would go hunting for more inside Olympus lenses, which is one mm. one of the reasons why Olympus lenses seem to. I don't know if you can bear this out, but uh, Lyndon, but Olympus lenses seem to be one of the worst brands for fungus. I mean, would you would you go along with that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Simon. Sorry. That's why they're that's why they're called OM lenses. The OM stands for Om Nom 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 Nom. <laughs> Uh, so I, I thought it might have been Olympus Mite, but well, there you go. Oh, yeah. I I, I, do, I do know that my coworker Charles at Central Camera, um, he did have a story, a very vivid story about uh, a box of used camera equipment that came in and taking the lens off like a, you know, a beat up old Nikon and just cockroaches coming out of it. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, talk about a nightmare. Um, yeah, so things like that do happen, you know. I, th- I think um, let's just take a, 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 a short break from reading the question. Because I, <laughs> because I, I want to go down memory lane uh, to uh, episode 57. 
um, when we had uh, Lyndon on last time uh, because shortly after recording that show I was chatting to Lyndon and uh, and Linda goes you never let me give you never gave me the chance to finish off my radioactive lens story and because I obviously cut across him uh, part way through it um, so I, I think now we should we should head back to episode 57 and uh, I'm, I'm apologizing for interrupting you and uh, would you like to continue and potentially start all over again uh, your uh, your radioactive lens story Lyndon well it all stems from when I used to work, well, my first job, which was in a camera shop. So um, mid-90s. Um, and what we tended to do um, is we, we'd go to lots of um, MOD auctions, um, the government, you know, government surplus. Um, Just for, uh, around the world, that's Ministry of Defence. Mm. So, and they, they would sell off, um, you know, something would go out of date, like a Nikon FM. Obviously, that goes out of date, doesn't it? So they would... Um, they would they would have expiry dates on stuff. So once, once it had reached that, it went into stores and then it was eventually sold. Um, and we used to buy lots of Pentax Spotmatics um, and lots of lenses for them. Rolleiflexes, um, quite a lot of Polaroid, Shackman Polaroid cameras. I don't know if you've seen those, Ooh. Simon. No. You know, do you guys know of them? I think, no. Nope. But ba basically these cameras were fixed in front of oscilloscopes. Um, yeah. Polaroid yeah. on them you know, a flat field copy lens on the front. Um, so we see loads of those, Nikon, FMs, um, and again, lots lots of lenses for them. Um, but the thing we never saw, which was really odd, we never found any standard lenses for Pentax Spotmatics. So after a few years, um, my boss was quite friendly with the, the, the people that used to work in the stores and, you know, he'd go there on a regular basis. So he knew them and he, he said one day, where are all the 50 mil lenses? And it turns out, before any of this stuff is sold, someone goes around with a Geiger counter checking for anything slightly radioactive. <laughs> and all the 50 mil lenses from these Spotmatics that showed any signs of radioactivity, which they probably would have, um, they buried in a deep, you know, deep pit filled them with concrete. <laughs> oh. so that, and I mean, when I, when I say we bought a lot of Spotmatics, I'm, I'm not talking one or two, I'm talking hundreds of them. Um, wow. So there's somewhere out there, there's a gold mine. If anyone can find it, and chip it the might concrete next away. To a, yeah, it might be next to a nuclear missile, though. So that's your only problem. <laughs> <laughs> Same place. <laughs> wow, that is excellent. That's fantastic. And this is this is in England, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Somebody oh, someone's got a Yeah, somebody with a clipboard went around and said, "Oh, that's slightly radioactive. Must get rid of all of those." <laughs> Man, so, wow. someone's got to go around with a Geiger counter trying to find that now because um, it, seems, it seems like digging stuff up in England randomly is a good thing to do anyway. Like, wh what was it in Leicester that they dug up a, a couple years ago and everyone got super excited about that? Some oh, that skeleton? Was, that was, oh, um, that was, that was that? King, King Henry, was it? No, no, no not no, Henry. The nasty one. The one that, yeah, the one that gets a bad rep. Richard, oh, the one with right? the hump. King Richard. Yeah. 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 They found him in a car park. Yeah. Yeah, 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 something like that, right? Yeah, it was, it was under a car park. Yeah, yeah, some random, random thing in Leicester, and then they they all they got all excited. So yeah, can we just talk about Cheddar Man for a minute? <laughs> what? Since we're on Ch the Cheddar Man. since we're on the topic, yeah, did you guys see this in the news? They're, they're, they they found the remains of, I, I guess I, I don't know the location, whatever they call him, Cheddar Man, but they, you know, it, it's DNA. It's like three hundred generations back. And they found some guy living a mile away with the same DNA. The f 
Wars had not moved for 300 <laughs> generations. <laughs> yeah. So cool. yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I can say no more. I can say no more. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be the equivalent of like somewhere in Alabama, they found, a, you know, r- remains of 300 generations ago. And surprise, surprise, the family still lives in the area. Yeah, this is going to be yeah. a, a touchy subject. Because technically, that's like all, all part of the southwest of England, uh, uh, which, which, which cool. Lyndon is also part of, you see. So, <laughs> no, yeah. no, best, no, best, best be careful there, really. <laughs> Although, so let's give praise to the BBC. I'm reading, I'm, I just pulled out a BBC article about this. And let's praise their subheadline because their, their second sort of subheading is extra mature cheddar <laughs> <laughs> outstanding oh, 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 right. yeah very good story um and does that bring us to wait yeah that brings yeah. us to the end of the emails oh wait wait wait, wait. um uh, Lyndon, i want to ask you uh, a follow-up on the previous email about like the easiest to service oh right. um, well yeah the longest the, the, the longest lasting wasn't it rather than the easiest Right, other yeah. other other end of the spectrum. Um, my my go to repair guy here in Hong Kong has a few types of cameras that he just won't touch. Uh, like I'll, he won't I'll stop touch. you there. I'll stop you there. You can say which is the, the camera that's just not going to last five minutes. A cent on. If you've got a cent on, just chuck it out now, even if it's working. Is, it, is that what, <laughs> <laughs> what you can ask me? Well, yeah, I was going to ask you what <laughs> what types of cameras not not you know are, are going to last the least. Um, but which ones will you not touch with a ten foot pole because they're complexity? Sentinel. Right. No complexity, no, but Centon. <laughs> no, Centons are they aren't they just rehashed rehashed Minolta's or is there something going on there that they're not they're not even Yeah, that? some of them are. Yeah, the is it the DF three hundred is a allegedly a Minolta X three hundred. Mm. Um but it's like someone someone got hold of the blueprints of a camera and said, How can oh. we make this worse? Jeez. Yeah, that's that, that. Those those are those Chinese knockoff Minoltas. Yeah. They basically sold the. No, I don't think they were. They weren't knockoffs. They were genuine, weren't they? I think Minolta well, bought the. No. Uh, sorry, they, didn't they sell the tooling they, to them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well, well, yeah. But I mean, they they every part that was formerly made of metal was now made of plastic, kind of thing. They, you know, so it's the it's the it's the basic design of the same camera built to a far lower standard <laughs> oh it's it's made by seagull say no more yeah yeah well i'm, I'm for the i'm sure for the price they're good value no. um but you know you get you get what you pay for <laughs> but that awful on the inside of the mirror box they've got um sort of plastic covers oh, and God. they eventually just shrink and then um curl up at the edges so the mirror just slams into them it just jams it up awful oh, things oh, wow <laughs> I'd rather I want fix this than it. Ooh. <laughs> so, Lyndon, I have a question for you. And let's say this is a theoretical question. Let's say that, you know, a theoretical repairman, not you. Okay. Yeah. Not you. But uh, in theory, uh, d- w- would, it, would, would a repairman say handed with the prospect of fixing an, a camera truly not worth the time and effort to fix, but maybe someone was really determined to fix that camera. Would that said repairman ever possibly consider taking the cover off that camera with a serial number and putting it on a working camera of the same make and simply returning it? 
would, would a repairman ever consider doing such a thing? I'm wondering. I, I, it's a very interesting question. And if you asked me that question, I'd say, no, they would never do that. But okay. If you asked another repair person, I would say it's, it's quite probable that they would and um, pro- probably that they have in the past. But I would certainly never condone that sort of activity. What, that is exactly what I was wondering. Thank you. Yeah. But, but I mean, there, there's, there's a philosophical question here, right? Because if you have two cameras and you start just ex- exchanging the parts, at what point does the first camera just become the second camera? <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the point where they've paid you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. John, Johnny, that was that was quite a very specific question. There is, is, is there more that you can tell us about this? The no, I mean, I was, I, I, I was, knowledge. No, I was, I was, I was just curious because I've heard tell of from people in the camera world. Let's say former guests on this program who are highly knowledgeable of specific brands of cameras that might start with the letter N. Um, have told tell of uh, the fact that um, some other cameras made by other manufacturers, maybe starting with the letter C, um, <laughs> that rather than fixing said cameras, that um, it may have been, it may have occurred somewhere in the repair industry that they simply took the lid off of the non-working camera and exchanged out a working body with that said lid again so that the camera would appear to have been repaired, but underneath the top lid with the serial number, it was just a replacement camera. I mean, that could be, I mean, that could be just a service exchange. I mean, yeah. So not illegitimate in any way, really. No, no, it depends if the customer knew that's what was happening or not, I suppose. Right, um, and how much they paid and guarantee and all the rest of it. Um, right, but more than that, I can't. I couldn't really say anything more than that. That makes yeah. sense. It could be an American thing too. It could be. That oh, there are so many stories I can't. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've stopped the recording now, Lyndon. So okay. um, please start with one of those stories. Uh, mm, uh, mm. Maybe another time, Simon. You might have to buy me a pint. <laughs> I was just going to say, Simon, this sounds like something that involves alcohol. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we I, think- I think that's totally legit, by the way. Just because if someone is getting a camera fix that's not worth it, uh, then it, it, it's sentimental value. So what they just all they want is the serial number, right? Right. So you're taking the part of the camera they care about, and you're replacing all the bits that don't work, which is the rest of the camera. Correct. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it does. And I guess it's just a question of ethics, whether you would disclose that that had been the method of repair or not. I mean, would it matter? No, I don't know. I suppose it was fixed, wasn't it? It wasn't working. Now it's working. Now it's working. Replace some parts. No harm is done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but Lyndon, uh, the when you were talking about that Centon, um, the thrust of my question wasn't so much cameras that are so shitty that you don't want to touch them. Uh, but are there any that are like? Just I'll give you an example. My my repair guy, he won't touch my Alpas because he's just like they're too complex. Yeah, um, yeah, whereas uh, and he won't touch like Air Aries, uh, the Aries thirty five V rangefinder. 
Um, yep. So if something were to happen to one of my alphas, can you fix it? No. <laughs> no. I don't. I don't expect there's many people that can. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, and do you know a proper job? Um, yeah. Could I take it apart and have a look at it? I could. But w- what do you value your alpha at? <laughs> I don't know. That's the question. If you want me to practice on your expensive camera, I'm more than happy to. But you have to sign, you know, a disclaimer that you might get a bag of camera back. Yeah. Gotcha. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's fair. there's lo- there's lots of things that I I won't repair. Not necessarily because I can't do them, but because if I've not looked at it before, have I got the you know have I got the time? Have you got the money for me to um, yeah. you know mm. practice, learn, learn your camera? Probably not. Um, you know, I can probably do two or three, four repairs in the time that you know I can I can sort that other camera out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if there's a if there and if there is someone out there that's more specialized than me and that will do you know a much better job and get the camera working then that you know i will direct you always to that person mm. um you know at the end of the day you want a camera that's working um and i want a good reputation so you know if i'm if i'm going to bodger something for you that's not doing me any good and it's not doing you any good either does that make sense yeah <laughs> perfect yeah it really does, uh, Johnny. There is one more. Que- there is one more question on that list. Oh, oh there is. Did I yeah. miss one? It's the right. early nickel one. Um, hold on one moment. I'm going to. Uh, His brain is just censored out the word Nikon. No, I for some reason I, I my uh, email was not. Uh, maybe I just forgot to copy the last question. Um. Oh yeah, there is in fact another question here, isn't there? Um, okay, it's from Julian Holden, um, August tenth, early Nikkor one hundred five cm lenses, um, and the question is: Hi guys, a novice question uh, for you all on an early Nikkor P one hundred five cm sonar f mount. Um, unlike later versions, this lens doesn't have retaining screws on the rear of the lens mount. Is that going to affect how easily it can be easy, easily to be disassembled in order to service? It has sticky aperture blades. Similarly, I have an LTM rangefinder version, uh, the Nikkor PC, of the same lens that would benefit from servicing. Uh, as it has a stiff focus and aperture ring, it currently has an LTM to M adapter that I haven't been able to remove without undue force. So I don't know if it has the same issue regarding the retaining screws. Again, does this affect how easily it may be to disassemble this lens to perform a CLA? Thank you uh, for thanks for your podcast. Keep up the great work. Keep safe and continue to be like Carl. Cheers, Jay. <laughs> you okay there, Perry? Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I, I'm laughing at something really stupid, so just ignore me. Uh, you, you, you said you said you said 105 centimeters twice instead of 10.5 centimeters. So I'm just oh, imagining okay. a meter. Oh, did I? Okay. Yeah. I'm just imagining a meter long nickel. Lens. Yeah, it would be awesome. That's why I said it because it would be awesome. It's like your worst nightmare. It's like a a nickel lens the size of like a small human being. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Lyndon, have you got any any, any thoughts on that? Um, well, it, it just comes part a different way, really. I mean, take a lot of the Pentax 
um, screw lenses, you know, they don't have screws on the back. Um, you've got to go through the front, you know, to get the rear off. Um, no, if somebody knows what they I was going to say I've I've seen that happen with the with the Pentax. Is it the? It's the it's the fast wide angle lens with a big bulbous lens on it. What's what's that one, Perry? You asked me about Pentax lens. Yeah, you know which one it is. So is it a two point three or something like that? Oh, the yeah, the thirty five two point three. Yeah, I think that that's it. Yeah, and yeah. I've 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 seen a rear element cleaned on one of those. And it starts at the front of the lens and just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like going into a TARDIS. You think, surely you can't go any deeper into this. Yeah, you're going to be able to, into the basement before you get there. Uh, sorry, sorry, Lyndon. No, I, is there more? <laughs> well, it, it certainly went deep enough that lens did anyway. Um, but no, it, it's it, like you say, though. It, it, there's there's more than one way to actually get into a lens. So um, yeah, but, it just sounds like a really early early version. I say the optics are probably all the same. All the gubbins on the inside the same. They've just put one in a rangefinder mount and one in a uh, you know a SLR mount. Um, but for easy, yeah, I mean, it is a lot easier if you can go in the back, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can actually get to the aperture and fix the aperture. That is what she said. Yeah, sorry, I was yawning while I <laughs> said that. Wait, she said. The, the, um, the 105 LTM version that, that uh, Julian's asking about, you know, the, the F-mount version, you, you can't just, like, unscrew the front, uh, whereas the LTM version, you can. Because um, that's how those Nikkor lenses are assembled. So this idea that it has an adapter that you can't remove without undue force, uh, I think you can use some undue force there um, because it's probably just screwed on really tight. So what I would do is unscrew the optics because you can just unscrew the optics at the aperture ring, put set those aside, and then just take the helicoid and crank that because there's no screw holding the adapter in. It's just it's probably on really tight unless some idiot has glued it. Well, glue, gluing's the worry, isn't it? Because people do things like that, don't they? Well, and 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 of course, there's the old trick the back the back cap, yeah, of the old Leica M caps. They have four little teeth on them, and that that that's that is specifically meant to be a little tool for un unsticking uh. LTM adap- uh, M adapters off LTM lenses, so that's yeah. that's what that back of that cap is actually for. So it's actually if you use the cap and it works, I mean, it come right off. So that's that's worth considering also that you know use use the right tool to take them off. Yeah. yeah. Although I have stripped that plastic before. Oh yeah, it's it's possible, but I mean, it's it's just probably really tightly friction fit, and it's mm-hmm. been on a long time, so it should it should definitely come off. I talk, talking about. Um dodgy repairs and things like that I'm, i imagine that's something you hardly ever come across do you Lyndon? Where, where somebody's done something that's um a little bit odd inside a camera or a lens no you do see it quite often um uh, yeah it's, it's one of the worst things when you 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 get a camera and you look at it, you think someone's been in there before me mm. effectively if i do repair you shouldn't know i've done it other than the camera's working or the lens is is working you, you shouldn't go oh, i can see where he's you know taking the screws out and you know all the trims falling off so if you can see where someone's been before that's always a telltale sign that it might not be legit um i do have two lenses in at the moment um that have both suffered that um which i've got to do at some point um should i should i mention what they are would that be 
we're not telling. No, okay. So um, one is a hundred mil f two Minolta PG lens. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it PF lens? Is it early early Minolta SLR yeah, and, lens? And it's it's slightly it's got a slightly different. Uh, aesthetic to them than the, the most Minolta's yes. of, of the age, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's really early. Yeah, and some I don't think recently's been in there, but somebody's been in there and made a right old mess. Um, so I've got to do that. But the 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 worst one I've got at the moment for um, just because of the nature of it, not the complex, you know, the complexity of it, is a I think it's a Kanika standard fifty mil f uh, one point two. Um, where someone's de-clicked it, but in the process um, oh. they've taken the some of the aperture stop-down levers, um, take, taken that off basically, and it's got a, a load of ball bearings in it that holds it all in place. So they've obviously taken that apart, and all the ball bearings have just well, I could only find two in the end. Um, so I've got to find some ball bearings of the right size and put it all back together, which is not not a great job. Isn't it just sort of a law of physics that any round thing with ball bearings in it needs at least three? I mean, it's a very minimum. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, I mean, this one, might, it, sometimes they're all ball, you know, it's all full of ball bearings, but yeah. sometimes um, they'll, they'll have um, little rods that have been bent to the right side, you know, right shape. Yeah. Um, and it'll be, you know, four of those, five of those, whatever, and a ball bearing in between each one. That's yeah. a cheaper way of doing it, but I'm pretty sure this one is all. You know, you'd find those rods, wouldn't you? You wouldn't lose those. Wow. Um, they're probably like two, three centimeters long sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's the that's that's the worst job. So yeah, when you if someone's been in there before, you made a right old mess. It is difficult, and if it's something that you've n- not done before or not seen before or had no reason to take apart, it makes it even worse because you don't know what it was like before you, oh, you know, sure. before you went in there. Yeah. So it's a lot of guesswork, and it just takes more time and and scratching wow. the head. That, that's that's <laughs> one of those things. Like, if I'm ever gonna buy a lens, like on eBay or something, I always just look for, you know, like obvious signs that the screw heads are all buggered up, and there's slips mm. from people trying to take the rings off and stuff. I mean, it's usually it seems like it's pretty obvious when someone's really horribly hacked into something that they didn't know how to fix. Yeah. Yeah, you should. I mean, I was always taught it, you shouldn't mark anything on a lens. And if you mark sure. it, you need to replace it, which, you know, some sometimes things do happen. And these days, have you got anything you can replace it with? Well, probably mm. not. But you sort of, you know, you've got to be sensible. You've got to, you've got to, got to tidy up after yourself and, you know, sure. and make sure the thing's presentable and, you know, is not, is not dodgy. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Well, I try so, to do anyway. Yeah. All right. So that's, <laughs> That's all really this time, all the emails done. There are two more uh, lens specific lens cleaning related questions on the uh, Facebook thread. Do you want to, uh, should we read oh. those out? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Lyndon, uh, should I read them out? Cause I have them in front of me. Uh, yeah. 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 Go for it. Okay. I, I think so, I remember that, but yeah. Okay. So the first one's from Andrew Jindal. Uh, and he says, I'm curious about the level of concern there should be about cleaning inner lens elements, even the inside or front or rear elements, specifically with regards to decentering the lens. Most of us don't have lens collimators, so is this a no-no? Um, well, it's like anything. If you haven't got the tools to to do the job, then you you know uh, maybe don't do it, or 
be you know when you take something apart you need you know, especially a lens make a lot of notes you know if you're taking a, the optics apart make a note of where where that optic was if you're worried about it being decentered um normally it's not a major issue um it's normally the more expensive lenses that you know that uh, you you'll pick up these problems um yeah so yeah if you haven't got you know if you haven't got the tools don't do it if you're going to clean under a front optic just note where it was um uh, you can make a, a small mark on the edge of the the optic with a you know a marker pen something like that um and put it roughly back you know in the in the orientation it was um the only trouble comes when again if somebody's taken it apart before you was that the original position of it so yeah but <laughs> if it's if it's one of those lenses where uh say the front or rear part just screws off is it generally fine to kind of screw it off you know blow it with a blow or clean off some crap on the inside and then yeah. screw it back if, if you you know taking the front and rear clusters off then yeah that's fine yeah, you're not going to have a major problem, but you got. I mean, you've got to also take into account that these lenses are quite old now. So, you know, take a, a Nikon lens. Um, the focusing is probably quite sloppy. Um, you've probably got a lot of movement in in that front optic, in which will probably cause you more more decentering if than um, you know if somebody's put put the front optic in the wrong in the wrong position. Um, so, I suppose it depends on how critical you are. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, take take a modern, you know, Canon EOS lens, you know, a kit lens. The amount of wobble on the front of that, I wouldn't worry about decentering. Uh, all right, the the second it's a similar question from Juan Suarez, uh, and he says, "I'd love to know more about cleaning uncoated lenses. Uh, in particular, how aggressive can one be when trying to remove haze on an uncoated lens?" Yeah. If you, I mean, if you've got problems, sometimes it can be the optics itself that's, you know, it, you know, front optics get quite badly scratched over the years um, on the on the very old cameras. So there's not a lot you can do about that. So how aggressive? I'd say you don't be aggressive at all. That's my phone guy. You know, if you're going to cause more damage to the lens by whatever you're doing, then then don't do it. You know, the lens is as it is. Um, you know, you can't re you can't really repolish lenses yourself. Have you ever uh, have you ever had an issue uh, an issue with like not wanting to remove blooming on an uncoated lens? Yeah, if, uh, it was always uh, back in the day. If if there was a coating issue on a lens, sometimes we would remove it. Um, but my feelings these days is it's got to be pretty bad for you to remove it because you can end up causing more problems. Um, you know, you'll have no anti-reflection on that front optic. Yeah. No, but I'm Sorry. talking about, you know, you know, with uncoated lenses, um, sometimes they develop that, like, natural coating from oxidation. And, you know, we, we were discussing a couple episodes back how back in the day people would not want you to clean that off when cleaning the lens. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry. You just, just mentioned that about removing the coating. Uh, if, yeah. I mean, then there are, there are some legitimate reasons for why some people actually might want to remove uh, the coating of, of a lens. Um, what, what are the, the methods for doing that? Well, I wouldn't, uh, first of all, I wouldn't do it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, people will use a mild abrasive to do it. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I think these days you're going to cause more damage 
um, to the lens. So I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't remove any coatings. So, but what you're saying is, if if uh, I know I know that you wouldn't do it, um, but as you say, there, there are <laughs> there are people out there that do want to do it, especially for uh, cinematography purposes, and uh, and and there are absolutely some people that that that, that do do that. Say with Helios lenses, for instance, Helios forty fours. Um, are you saying the the way to do that will be with an, uh, an abrasive, or would there be chemical ways of doing that? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you if you are going to remove a coating, the ways I've seen people do it mainly are sort of you know uh, sort of, um, the sort of thing that you might you know you might move, remove a scratch on a car you know pol you know to polish you know yeah. um, that sort of thing. But I these days I really you know I wouldn't I would never do that. I've done it in the past on some lenses where the coating's been so bad, so horrendously bad that you've removed them. But I, in my experience, it doesn't improve. It just makes it worse. Um, and anything abrasive on a lens could could damage the optics. It could change the character of the lens as well. So, if, you know, it's not something I'd recommend. So I can't really, <laughs> I can't really tell you what to use. Okay, that's fine. Maybe some wet and dry. Um, don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, just the thought of putting abrasive onto an element just just goes through me much in the same way as I think it does with you. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but there you go. Let's just take a, a quick uh, two-minute two-minute break because I think we we might be um, getting to the end of things. Is that am I correct in thinking that, guys? Johnny, uh, that's all the that's all the emails and questions. Um, all right. So um, should I should I start to wind things down, or there, or is there anything that uh, and this includes yourself, Lyndon, that uh, we, we we might want to talk about while we're still here? I, I'm okay. Perry, I think. Uh, I have I have one thing that I want to mention, uh, but it's not really related to lens repair. It's related to something that Lyndon was talking about earlier. Uh, actually, no, you know what? I actually don't want to do it on the recording. Lyndon, what's a good price for a Kershaw, Crankshaw, whatever? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, do you know what? I knew the moment I told you about that, you'd want one. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. I, I, found, I found one locally. Oh, right. well, there's, how much? Well, how much is it? It's a Kerr, It's a Kershaw Curlew two with the Taylor Hobson Roital one hundred five three point eight. Yeah, uh, well, that's what, that's the lens you want. So that's the lens I want. Yes, the three is nicer, a, but you know, it's around three hundred quid. Yeah, that's probably okay. <laughs> um, the, what you've got to watch with the Kershaws is the part of the folding mechanism. Um, <laughs> He doesn't I care about that. Because he just wants a lens. Oh, he just wants the lens. Oh, don't. No, worry no, no, no. I want. I want. I'm going I'm to shoot it on film, so it'll it'll stay on the camera for now until until I put it on my Pentax. <laughs> until I inevitably put it on my Pentax Six Seven. But but go on with what I should watch out for. Well, okay. Well, first of all, all the leatherettes will be peeling off, um, and I think you've got to be really careful with the glue you use on those because they just melt. This is an English-made camera, so you know that's your major problem. Um, <laughs> and then the struts that hold the the you know the bed in place—if they've got any kinks, any bends in them, don't don't buy them. You know, don't buy it because they'll just snap and they're all riveted in place. So unless you know somebody who can do a you know a decent repair on that, you know, manufacture some new ones, just don't buy it. But you could just buy it for the lens, so you know. 
but for, okay. I suppose for three hundred pounds, you'd want one that was, you know, pretty nice. Yeah. Is it difficult to find just the lens? Yeah. Not that Simon was right. Yeah. Because no, nobody, nobody would, nobody would take that lens off that camera because that would be wrong. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> um, and just, just, just so you know, the two with that lens that have uh, sold. Uh, on eBay recently, uh, are gone for three hundred and twenty-two and three hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, is there? I, I saw those, but is there a difference between the Curlew two and the Curlew three in terms of lens and and whatever? Hang on, let me check my book. Because uh, the two that sold on eBay, Simon, you're looking at are Cur- Curlew threes, yeah. um, but the one locally is a Curlew two, although they po- uh, appear to have the same lens. So the three, it's got double exposure prevention and automatic film spacing. So that's the difference between the three and the two. That's it? That's it, according to this. Oh, so it's just red window on the two? Okay. Yeah, must be well, the one that sold on eBay was as is. Uh, so this dude actually has sample photos. So I think I might go check this out. Damn it. I got to get no, it's all good. I, I hear Taylor Hobson and just like I get a huge erection. Yeah, so. that's a really good lens. That's a really good lens. So yeah, get get yourself one, and it's a folder, so it might take some of the heat off. You know, yeah. you bought a folder. <laughs> uh, I have loads of folders. Yeah. But, but you were yeah, disparaging about the folders. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, Perry, do you want to try and do that? Oh no, that was your segue, isn't it? So you have, you have, you've got nothing, nothing more to ask of, of Lyndon, have you? Or have you? Uh, no, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. Right. Well, I think we're pretty much uh, coming to the end of our uh, our allotted time. So I think we should start to wind things down. And uh, first thing I want to do is to say thank you to those people since last week uh, that have uh, helped us out via coffee.com. And they are, um, this goes from the 7th of August, uh, James Thorpe. Thank you very much, James. Eric Joas, Joes, something like that. And uh, Eric says, uh, this new new Roly Gas podcast will ruin me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we we like Rollies a lot now, it seems. Um, Nigel Cliff, uh, it uh, says, uh, it was a holiday in the UK, not a staycation, rant over. Um, Oh yeah, I think we we, we maligned Nigel Cliff uh, last week. Uh, can't remember what it was because we we maligned him quite often, I think. So uh, sorry about that, Nigel, and uh, we'll think up think up something else to malign you with next time. Um, uh, Brian Woolworth as well. Um, thank you very very much, uh, Brian. Uh, Lyndon, it's been absolutely fantastic having you with us. Yeah, no problem. It's um it's been interesting. Yeah, no, it's been it's been it's been great fun, and uh, I. Th- We've we've not mentioned um, how people can get hold of you because you know your your day job your business is repairing cameras and lenses and things like that. I assume you do binoculars as well. No. Oh, no, that's not interesting. Binoculars. Okay. Okay. So, uh, um, so if somebody wishes to send you something, uh, what's the what's what's the process? How would how would somebody get in touch with you and and you know how how do you deal with the, a new inquiry for something? Yeah, well, you can contact me on Twitter. Um, I'm on there quite a lot. You can 
email me from through my website um, and just or phone me. You know, I like to speak to people in the real world as well. So you can always phone me and I'll give you my details and we can sort of discuss what you've got and whether it's something I can I can do for you. So on um, but, Twitter, what's your what's your handle on Twitter so people yeah. can find you that way? It's at Londinium Camera, at Londinium Camera, and my website is londiniumcameras.com. That's good. And your your phone number's on the on the website as well, isn't it? Is that, is it's it all, yeah, all, yeah. All my details are on there. Yeah, where you yeah. can contact me. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I, mean, I I assume it's going to be a process of uh, they would ring you up or email you. You would then have a chat to see what the problem is and whether or not that's something that's you you wish to take on because i mean one one thing is is very very clear uh to us that you know if you you take work on that you you're confident of being able to achieve the the a certain standard of work and yeah, there are yeah. going to be some jobs that you know you've already said as much you know if there's some something the specialist you will direct people somewhere else what what happens with the work that sort of sits in between uh yeah i mean i will i will take on odd things sometimes um I suppose it depends on sometimes it's how much work I've got in. So, uh, you know, but if you, if you talk to me about it, I do know, I do know a a lot of cameras and lenses. I've done lots over the years, Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean I want to do them any longer. So, you know, just, just ask me and um, I'll, you know, I'll see what I can do. Some of it can be spares dependent. You know, if you, if I haven't got a scrap version or something that that I can put towards making it go again, um, it's not for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, always ask. Yeah, so that, that I mean that 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 itself would suggest potentially that if you do have a, a relatively straightforward problem, but it's going to be a spare part issue that the, if if the person with the problem with the camera um, went looking for the spare for a, for spares or a donor camera, that might actually help encourage. Well, not so much encourage, but that might lead you to taking the work on. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it can make a difference sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I do have some, you know spares for lots of different things, but common items, you know, things like um, prisms on Pentax K one thousands and Spotmatics, they you know they're really starting to um, show problems. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm always looking for those, um, and they're um, they're always getting used up really quickly. And the, the Olympus ones as well, you know, the OM ones and twos, as you probably know, they deteriorate so common things are difficult to get hold of so if you've got one you know to supply me to sort your repair out that's even better um it'd be cheaper for you as well but i think it's also worth just stressing it's worth actually contacting you first before somebody goes out finds the donor camera and say i've got the donor camera will you will you now fix the the magnets on this canon t90 (laughs) um yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. give me a call first and you know i'll I'll, you know, I'll, I'll let you know if I can do it or not um, and try and help you find someone else um, if I can't. Um, but what, what is quite good is I will quite often turn to the Twitter community because, um, you know, they will always know somebody who can do something. So it's, it's quite easy to get a solution to most, most problems. If I can't do it, somebody else will definitely be able to do it and we can track them down for you. Brilliant. Right. Well, let's do uh, shout outs. Perry, have you got any shout outs? Shout out this week. Uh, no. Okay, Johnny, have you got any shout outs? I'm sure I do, and I'm just not. They're not occurring to me. Okay. Yes, I do. No, wait, I do, I do, I do, I do. I have a, <laughs> I have a shout out to the Negative Positives <laughs> podcast because I did that on Monday. 
I didn't I didn't wake up in time to do this podcast, but I woke up in time to do that podcast on Monday. So so you can check that out. And I, I wanna I wanna thank I wanna thank uh the gutter man and the whole team there for having me on again. Uh Andre and Roxana. That was that was loads of fun. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me back on. That's that's cool. I'm looking forward to hearing that. And uh, I've got a shout out that I really I should have done this a few weeks ago, um, and that's to Ethan Moses of Camera Dactyl and uh, Homemade Camera Podcast uh, because uh, he took me under his wing a few weeks ago along with Graham Young, and uh, I'm not sure if I've actually mentioned this or not, but I'm going to or do it again. Um, and he did a lesson on drawing, um, how to draw isometric drawings and things like that. And it was it was fun. It was useful, and um, yeah, thank you very much for taking that time out, uh, Ethan. That was uh, that was good, and thank you, uh, Graham, for being part of that as well. So that's my shout out there. Um, Lyndon, have you got any shout outs? I haven't got a shout out, but um, I've forgot to mention this. If anyone is interested in um, learning camera repairs, um, there's uh, something I've recently came across, which is a, a website. Um, which has got a whole load of information on there for you and even some basic courses of um, camera repair. So if you want to learn about it, this might be the place to go. Um, now, the website is learncamerarepair.com. So if you if you go on there, that's got a whole, whole load of information, service manuals, you name it. Um, and it's run by a, a good group of people that, you know, they're, they're you know, trying to help people, um, you know, pass on their knowledge um, about repairs um, and they they run the courses there um, there's also a Facebook group which is attached to it which I think you can join as well um, you know if you fancy but all the information is on learncamerepair.com um, it's not a I don't think there's anything to pay it's not a subscription or anything so um, you know have a look cool that's a, that's a, that's a great tip there um, right okay so uh, back to Perry how can people get in touch with you or look at the things that you do out there uh you can find me on Flickr and instagram at perry g and johnny um yeah i'm not anywhere uh you can you can you can come and speak with me socially distanced on my front front porch uh <laughs> and and you can you can you can find me on uh instagram but I'm 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 on lockdown on there, so you won't be able to see anything. Yeah, I did. You're not accepting any new members again this. You've, well, done, I, you've I, done your intake this year, haven't you? Yeah, I, I was sort of shamed into. Uh, apparently, Roxana on the negative positives was in my queue. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was shamed into going, and I approved a bunch of follower people uh, the other the other night. So because I, I felt so bad because I have no idea. I just never check it. I'm just never on there. Um, so, so I, I did actually go into the queue and, and, um, and approve some people until I got frustrated by all of the spam follower people wanting to be following me on Facebook, which is why I am locked down in the first place. So anyway, so if, if people want to get in touch with the show, what's the best way of doing that? Well, that's easy. Uh, you, you, can, you can do that by uh, emailing the show at classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. Um, and, of course, you can go to the, the podcast website at classiclensespodcast.com, where, by the way, 
you can buy merchandise. You like t-shirts and, and such. Um, and just released last night was the brand new Make Bokake Great Again ball cap. So you should probably pick one of those up in honor of the upcoming elections here in the United States. Even if your candidate doesn't win, it's still going to be a win for Bokake. So you want to make- it's it's a very distinctive red red, red hat yeah. and that could be yeah. potentially mistaken from a distance as well. It could it? be, yeah. You could could possibly be mistaken from from a distance, but you know, Bokake is is the operative <laughs> operative phrase on that cap. Uh, so there's that. Um, also, if you're on Instagram, check out uh, Best Vintage Lens, of course, our buddies over there. Um, and if you're on YouTube and feel like listening and reading the podcast you can do that as well by looking for us there um what else can they do how else can people well and of course there's the facebook group classic lenses uh podcast on facebook cool and uh uh see it was ages ago since we last asked asked last asked lyndon uh where is is uh about his contact details what are they again lyndon um, oh, they're the same as before, Simon, surely. So it's, yeah, it's Londinium Camera, <laughs> at Londinium Camera on Twitter, and it's LondiniumCameras.com. Excellent. And, nice and uh, confusing. Yes. Um, and I'm on Twitter as Simon4. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster, Simon Forster Photographic, which is also the name of my website as well, which is co.uk, uh, where I have a range of lots of uh, lens caps, of hard-to-get hard lens caps, um, which, I, which I make. And actually, I'm just about to introduce a new range of lens caps for those people, um, because we, we know that silver lenses on black cameras and black lenses on silver cameras can be a problem for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've I've now introduced silver lens caps um, or silver-ish uh, lens caps for for your silver lenses. Um, so uh, so that's that's properly exciting stuff. So I'm gonna I'm rolling those out across the range as we speak. So uh, so get your silver lens caps on uh, CyberForcedPhotographic.co.uk. Except I've actually only got them on my eBay page at the moment. But uh, um, just look for. I don't know, exact a lens cap, and the chances are you'll find my, find my site and uh, on the eBay, and, uh, and you can see body caps and all those kind of great things there. Um, so other than that, uh, I'm on the large format photography podcast with Andrew Bartram, roughly once every fortnight. Um, our music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. It's called October Blues, and that's it. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's show, and if you can, be like Carl. Is it over? <laughs> <laughs>